I'm going now, right? Are you doing it now or later? When are you going, Mike? Welcome back to the Admissions Uncovered podcast with me, Michael, and your other hosts, me and Dominic. Today, we're sponsored by ourselves. We want to make sure that you know that you can support the podcast, no charge to you, by going to iTunes and reviewing our podcast. The more five stars we get, the easier it is for other people to find our podcast because it helps with iTunes search algorithm. So go to iTunes.com slash Admissions Uncovered and just rate and review the podcast. And if you comment something, we'll definitely read it on the podcast next time. Now today, we're going to talk about how to build your college list from safety schools to mid-tier schools to reach schools as well. We're going to talk about how to pick schools and how to figure out what school is a good fit for you. Then we'll talk through what our college lists are or used to be in my case. (laughs) All right, so let's kind of start off talking about this safety mid and reach. This is probably the one constant in the college admissions process. Everybody goes around saying this. It's almost like the buzzword of the admissions process. True. So let's let's explain what it is for people that don't know, but then also kind of just discuss what we you know think about it and its validity because I know we've talked a bit about it in the past. All right. So first off, a safety school is generally a school that you're pretty sure 90 to 99% that you're going to get in. So these are usually your state schools or schools that are like less selective based on their acceptance rates. So I would say around what 70 to 75% acceptance rate or higher it just really depends on what type of student um, you are. And usually these safety schools really focus solely on your academic scores so you can sometimes just get in these schools by just submitting your test scores, your um, transcript, and based on that, they'll either accept you or reject you. Hopefully, if it's your safety school, then you're going to be sure that they're going to accept you. So for mid-tier schools, it's basically the same logic as safety schools, but just a little bit harder to get into. I still feel that you you want your mid-range schools to be you know, fairly easy to get into, that you're fairly confident of getting into. Maybe for the safety school, you're auto-admit if you're in Texas to UT or another state school. But for the mid-range school, you're applying out of state or to a college in-state that doesn't have that automatic admission process or that is much more holistic in its application process. So you're pretty sure that your profile matches with the profile that the school is looking for, but you're not quite sure enough to put it in the safety school. So these are the schools that you fit pretty well in, but you're just a little bit uncertain. And then could you give an example for uh, mid-tier schools? Yeah. So I think for me, uh, what I found as the mid-tier school, or maybe a better way of putting it is the target school, is like USC. I thought I was fairly confident that I was able to get into USC with my scores and the type of extracurriculars I did. Um, but I never knew entirely for sure because USC didn't have a great cutoff. It didn't have auto-admin like UT did. And then finally, you have your reach schools. Um, so a lot of you may be saying, you know, a lot of my schools on my list are ended up re- being reach schools. And we'll talk about our own list later, and I'm sure all of us have this problem. But reach schools are definitely your selective schools. So there is a big jump from that mid-tier to the reach schools because you get everything from, you know, Michael said USC, and then you have your Harvards and the reach schools. So it's obviously a spectrum <clears throat> that goes from safety to reach and mid kind of falls in the middle. So these are just kind of basic uh, areas in which college will fall, but it definitely is a spectrum. So your read schools are your selective schools. Ivy League schools are definitely at the the top of that, but then you also have 
some private institutions. Um, Duke is probably reach for, you know, most people. And then, you know, Georgetown and U Chicago and all, all the schools like that. So definitely reach schools are ones that you cannot guarantee that you're going to get in. And most people will probably say, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get in here because the acceptance rates are so low and they get so many applicants that, you know, you're just not going to stand out in that fantastic pile of kids that they have applying. I think it's also worth mentioning that the reach mid and safety schools for different people are going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, because you are different applicants. If you are a really weak applicant with like a 1.7 GPA, your re- your safety school is not going to be UT like it was for me because I was auto-admin and you are definitely not auto-admin. Now, if someone is a like international science fair winner and is like the next Malala, then your reach schools and your mid schools and safety schools are also going to be different from mine. Your mid school, mid tier or target schools are not going to be USC. They might be like a Georgetown or something that heavily emphasizes international type affairs. Um, and your reach schools might be less reach than they are for other people. So just remember that when we talk about things, they are really fluid and dependent on who you are and what your application is going to look like. But you also got to be careful. So say you were that applicant that Michael mentioned, but even at a reach school, you still, that might not seem reached to, to you based on all that you have accomplished. It's still a holistic process. And with so many people applying to those schools, you can't guarantee that you're going to get in. Even if you're, I don't know, like, valid, like valedictorian, you've done all this stuff. You can never be, sh- I don't think anyone's really guaranteed into an Ivy League with its process. So you got, always got to make sure you have like a safety, a mid and a reach school so that you can cover all your options because with these competitive schools, you can never guarantee your acceptance. Yep. And the people that uh, are guaranteed to get into Ivy League schools, I doubt that they are actually listening to our podcast yeah. right now. But hey, if you are, let us know what you do in the comment section below. I would love to hear it and figure out how I too Unless you're like a legacy. Admit to Ivy League school. <laughs> yeah, like I have the answer. Like if you are have really rich parents who donate a lot to the school, then, you know, like ED in and I think you'll be fine. Um, but again, like most people are not going to be like that. And that's fine. Yeah. For most people, you need safety, mid and reach schools. And if you're questioning whether you're one of the people who are guaranteed admitted admittance into Harvard, you're probably not one of those people because – those people know for sure because they know that their parents donate a lot of money and they're probably going to like Exeter or something. So in general, <laughs> I think for 99.9999999999% of people listening to this podcast, people in general, they should have a whole variety of schools on the list. All right. And then I know, Michael, we've talked about this before. Um, and I think the, what you said was that, you know, you believed in the safety mid-reach. And I think <clears throat> back then I didn't uh, – agree with it as much just because I kind of saw it as like you have to categorize these schools. But now that I've started kind of seeing it as that spectrum and that it's also different for each kid, um, I think that it's definitely a rule to follow except the part that you get into that people start to disagree with it is how many of each you should have. Um, So we'll kind of get into that in a little bit. But I mean, people are always saying, you know, focus on your your mid-tier schools and throw in a couple reaches schools in there. And I'm like, you know, Back then, I was like, no, no, I want to throw in all these reach schools. Um, and still, I think that my list will reflect that. And Michael's probably did <laughs> Definitely. Uh, more than what the normal would be. But I think that it's different for each kid. And you just kind of have to do that. And 
something that I like Michael said before was that, you know, my school kind of tries to push us away from Ivy League applications. Nee, would you say that's a pretty fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, they're always yeah. trying to be like, have one or two or like if you have too many there's like um but i don't really like see the point of that the only thing is if you have enough time to do it then why not do it because like you're only yeah, applying that's what michael said you're only applying yeah. to college once so michael said it's his money yeah you know let him do his applications mm-hmm. and then you'll figure out how many schools he applied to later i mean i know they're looking out for us and not trying to stress and for some people it does work but if you're determined and you think you're able to do it then why not do it just make sure that you're not putting everything into only applying to IVs because then, you know, if you don't get in, then you're just kind of screwed uh, because you didn't apply to any other schools. And from the administrator's perspective, like, yes, we can say they have a good good faith intention to help students out, which I'm sure is the case for you know your counselors and most counselors in this country. But there's also an institutional need to make sure not everybody is applying to these Ivy League schools if they're not good candidates for those schools. Because I think what it shows, what Lacey Crawford's book, Early Decision, showed, and I think a lot of research on this topic has showed, is that schools judge applicants in the context of the other applicants coming from their school. And if you have one kid who's a superstar applying to Harvard or whatever, and you have another school who's another student who's like a complete idiot applying to Harvard too, the school is Harvard and their admissions officers are really confused. Like, why are both of these kids from the same school applying to Harvard? And it also makes the admissions officers feel less compelled by things like the counselor and teacher rec letter. Because chances are, if you go to a big public school, those rec letters are, especially the counselor one, are going to be very similar. There's going to be a very similar template. And if the format and the adjectives and the words used in both of them are the exact same, Harvard is not going to look as well on the superstars rec letter. So I think there is also like an institutional need to try to pre-filter candidates. Now, I will say that you two are in a position where you probably don't need to be pre-screened and don't need to be don't need to be told not to apply to these top tier schools. Um, but I don't know the process uh, that's going through you know, counselors' minds, and I don't really know the school's context. Um, but that's just an explanation of why they might need to be able to do that. Okay, I also think that specifically to our school, our counselor might say it so that. Um, some students might not get the impression that just because you go here, you're like basically guaranteed into an Ivy or you should be going to an Ivy League school. Because like, of course, that's not true. <laughs> there's wish. no there's no way that they can guarantee that. So they kind of want to say that to maybe pop like the, a misconception that we may have so that we start looking at other mid-tier schools and of course have some safety schools. Because if we're just focused and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to definitely get into Harvard or something like that. Why do I need to apply to any other school? That could end up hurting um, a lot of people. Yeah, just to sum up this uh, discussion about the the three tiers, especially the reach schools, I would say as long as you can justify why you want to go there, um, I, I feel like it's okay to have that on your list. For example, my dad and I were kind of going over my preliminary list, and for each school, uh, some of them he'd be like, you know, why you want to go here, and then. I wouldn't be able to come up with anything. I'd just be like, oh, okay. Um, it's a good school. You know, good good school does this, does that. And those were taken off the list. So when I talk about the list later, I'll discuss which schools those were. The rejects. Yes. All right. So as we're kind of talking about this, Michael, what do you think is a good 
balance? I think the number of schools you apply to is really, again, dependent on your situation. So, you know, the number of safeties you apply to really is dependent on how safe you think the schools you're applying to are. If you're auto-admit somewhere, then maybe you only apply to one or two. But even if your safety schools are like very shaky, then you're going to apply to a lot more safety schools. And if you're really confident in your safety in mid-schools, you're going to have a lot more reach schools. So again, it's like really dependent on you and the person. So if your friends are applying to a whole bunch of Ivy League schools and you are, maybe that's just because you, the two of you have different applicant profiles and that's totally fine. Yep. So now that we've kind of discussed the breakdown of your college list and what you should look for in that list, um, now we're going to talk about how to pick specific schools for that list. So I'll, I'll start off. Um, I think that the way I'm doing it and that I, the way I feel it should be done is you know, a lot of people go out and tour places and say, oh, you know, this place is nice. And I know Michael went on a tour and he said before that it didn't help much. Um, <clears throat> but I think that an applicant should look at schools and the programs that they want and kind of evaluate those schools based on the school itself and by the programs and the strength of those programs. And then from there, kind of looking at different attributes of the schools that you want. Um, if you know that you want to go to a school in the city versus a, you know, nice suburban school, um, you know, do that. Or if you want public versus private school, and then also think about how much money you're going to be able to get. And then location wise, if you know you want to be in the Northeast, don't apply to a school in the Southwest. Um, <laughs> and then the different types of programs you want to make sure that they have them. Uh, I know there's somebody in my grade who wants to do comp sci and linguistics. And that's kind of been the thing that has narrowed down their list. Uh, just because there's a limited amount of schools that can offer that and allow you to do those at the same time. One thing I'll say is that this early in the process, you don't want to be eliminating options for yourself unless you're like really, really dead set on not wanting to go to those schools. So one thing that I know for sure is a thing, especially among low income populations, is that they say like, I will never apply to an Ivy League schools because I will never be able to afford it. And so if you have that mentality, you never know if you are even going to get into those Ivy League schools. And chances are, when you get into those schools, you can figure out the financial aid by negotiating with the officers, providing additional information, submitting financial requests from other similar peer institutions that you've also gotten into. So this early on in the process, you know, we are, um, you know, seven months away from the big reveal day about whether you got in or not. Take your time to make sure that you're not cutting off options from yourself that you really want to consider in the future. Quick comment about that. Also, if you're low income, there's no reason you shouldn't be looking into Ivy League schools because sometimes Ivy League schools with such big endowments and all that, they have tons of money. They might be actually willing to give you a better financial package offer than a lot of other schools. I would say, like, especially like Yale, they give a lot of if you get it, if you can get in, they'll they'll give you a lot of financial aid, especially if you're low income. You could possibly be paying zero dollars to go there. Yeah, and in fact, for me, if I went to UT, I would be paying more each semester than I would if I was. Yeah. If you had, you would be paying more if you'd gone there instead of Columbia, right? Exactly. Exactly. Like Columbia is an Ivy League institution, huge endowment, gave me financial aid that was much more than the financial aid that UT gave. Um, and UT is a state school, and Columbia is a big, fancy name Ivy League school. So just, yeah, because they have a lot, they have so much more money. So yeah, mm-hmm. unless your parents are making one hundred fifty plus a year, 
Um, you're probably going to get more money through financial aid at an Ivy League school than you would your state school because the Ivy League schools just give out so much money. They, 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 their endowments are so huge that they don't have to worry about tuition and they're just focused on getting the best classes that they can get. So if you can get in there, they will find a way to get you to go there. Yeah. So I think, I think the way you pick a school is really, really dependent on what you want. And yeah, that's about it. Um, and there's not really like a magic way of doing it. It just takes a lot of research and a lot of just thinking about what you want and keeping your options open. Um, I will say that uh, one big way you can easily cut off a school is based on what type of education you want. So if you want a really focused technical education that prepares you for a job right after school, for sure, then maybe like liberal arts colleges are not for you Probably because liberal not. arts colleges are a lot more foofy doofy. And if you want the foofy doofy liberal arts college, <laughs> then maybe you don't want to go to a school like Caltech or, or like a vocational school and things like that. I mentioned this earlier, but I highly recommend Lacey Crawford's book, Early Decision. It's a nonfiction book, but it's based off of Lacey Crawford's experience as a college admissions consultant. And it, is very true and provides really relatable stories for all of us going through the college admissions process. Uh, there's this great scene where she sits down across from this really, really rich trustee of a university, and he knows his kid is going to get in to Duke University, where he's a trustee. But he still wants Lacey Crawford to make the girl feel like she earned. And so it really puts into writing a lot of the things that we know already happened. And it's just an amazing read. On top of that, it gave me a different perspective of the college admissions process, namely the one from the administrator's perspective. That's where I learned about why counselors are so reluctant to let just anybody from their school apply to top-tier schools. If you want to read Lacey Crawford's book, Early Decision, but just don't have the time or just don't like to read, that's totally fine. You can listen to it for free by using Audible. Just go to audibletrial.com AUPOD. There, you can choose from an unmatched selection of audiobooks. It could be Early Decision or it could be any other book you want. Just go to audibletrial.com AUPOD. Listen to a book, and support your favorite college admissions podcast. Now, let's get back to the show. Now we want to talk about what colleges are on our list, or in my case, used to be on my list. Um, I'll go over what the schools I applied to and how I got there, and I will hopefully be able to help me and Dominic with, with their lists. Um, the schools I applied to were predominantly in what most people would call the reach category. So I applied to uh, seven out of the eight Ivy League schools, so all Ivy League schools except Dartmouth, because I know I would never go to that far away in that middle of nowhere school with the mascot that was a keg. You know, so that was definitely off my list. <laughs> um, so I applied to those seven Ivy League schools. I threw in things like Duke, Georgetown, Johns Hopkins. And the reason why I threw in those three schools is because they're obviously not an Ivy League school, but they're really up there and they have really great programs in international relations, especially with Georgetown and Johns Hopkins, um, that I really was interested in potentially as a career path. Uh, I also applied to UChicago because, again, it's not an Ivy League school, but it has a really intensive ed liberal arts education that I was really looking for. Uh, my high school was not intense. And I don't think I learned that much sitting in those classes. And I really wanted a really rigorous experience. And I think that UChicago definitely would have provided that. 
um, if I had gone. I also applied to Swarthmore, which is a liberal arts college, uh, just because I wanted the option to have a smaller setting. I ended up not going with that just because I ended up realizing that I wanted a really big school just because I was able to have more opportunities than at the smaller school um, because I can always make a big school small and I can't make a small school bigger. And that's something you're going to hear from a lot of the big schools. Um, and this man. Well, I'm quoting every single admissions officer who came from a big public school or a big private school. Um, so you guys are going to hear that phrase a lot. You can oh, really make, yeah, you're, the phrase you can make a big school small, but not a small school big is a thing that you'll hear from basically every single admissions officer who comes from every really big school. So <laughs> get used to it. Hmm. Then I also applied to, as I said, mentioned earlier, some, I think schools that I was fairly confident that I would get into. So things like USC things like Fordham, just because they were able to give me financial, they were able to give me merit-based scholarships just in case financial aid didn't work out at other schools. And because I felt fairly comfortable that I'd get into them. So I really wanted some like baseline assurance I'd get into. There were some schools I applied to just because uh, there were some merit-based scholarships. So UVA's Jefferson Scholars Program was one of them. Uh, USC has a full tuition scholarship, which is a big reason why I applied there as well. And then as for my safety schools, I applied to UT and UTD because I was auto admit to both. And I, and it was like, it was actually like a hundred percent guaranteed I would get in to those two schools. So those were my safety schools. And that's why I, I had so few safety schools because I was really, really confident in my safety schools, which allowed me to spend most of my time on my reach schools and my target schools. So how are your college lists looking right now? This weekend, actually, um, I made kind of a spreadsheet thing because I was like, okay, I need to actually Ooh. have a concrete college list because I keep throwing wow. a spreadsheet. all these schools, right? I want a spreadsheet. Because <laughs> I'm throwing all one. these schools around and I'm not really sure because we actually had to fill out um, what they called a senior intake form, kind of yes. with- like the school when you're planning to apply, like early or regular and all that. So our counselor kind of knew um, what. And then I just put some random schools on that, which is a bad idea. So I probably mentioned this a lot of times. I wanted to do ED to Brown University. So that's definitely at the top of my list, trying to work on their supplements and all that. But I also visited Northwestern over the summer, Northwestern New Chicago. So, but I'm I was more pulled towards Northwestern, and they also have a really good um, seven-year med program, which is super competitive. They actually take only 20 out of 8,000 applicants, which is like, I calculated, it's like a 0.025% chance of getting in. And I was like, hmm, so it's just there because I really like the school. And 20 then, people yeah. out of 8,000. It's not as bad as the Baylor Rice uh, med program though they take six people but i mean like because rice and baylor like they're both really good how do you run a program on six people i mean i don't know well it's six people a class so at a time there's like 24 kids total and because it's such a it's a seven-year med program right it's, no, it's eight eight-year med program it's still like really hard to juggle classwork and stuff and i'm sure they have additional programming too um that the coordinators have to manage yeah hmm. And then, so those are kind of like my reach. But then I also have Bowdoin on there just because I really like their neuroscience program. 
And also these schools meet um, 100% of my need, like without loans, which is a really big thing because like um, financially, I really need to go to a school that will give me the money because there's no way I can afford um, all that stuff. And then I have Amherst on there because, well, I want to go to the Northeast. Amherst is if I want to go for that liberal liberal arts education kind of thing. Then I also have USC because Michael mentioned it. And then also it has a really good merit scholarship thing, uh, which most of my um, the other schools on my list don't offer. And then I have some schools like Tufts, um, Brandeis, more of a mid-tier kind of thing. UNC Chapel Hill, just because I was thinking if I'm going to apply early decision somewhere, I can also apply early action if it's not restrictive. So I was kind of going through the list and most of the schools on the early action list, I'm like, no, not really. But like, I was like, UNC Chapel Hill, eh, okay, maybe, which is probably a bad decision. And then my safety. Well, one thing about Chapel Hill is that they have what's called the Morehouse Scholarship, which is very similar to the Jefferson Scholarship, which is a full ride plus you get additional stipend money and even more stipend money for a stu- uh, study abroad. So. That's one where it's really worth applying to mainly for that scholarship. scholarship? Yeah. Okay. Not bad. Yeah, because I was thinking because it's also – it's a public school. And if you're applying out of state, then they're probably not going to give you a lot of financial aid. Yeah. But if you have that scholarship. And then my safeties, even though our counselor says UT is not a safety, I'll just kind (laughs) of put it there. And um, UTD. I'll, I'll stand with you on that one. UTD rolling admissions. Might as well, even though pretty sure I would not go there. It's way too close to home. Michael, not my vibe. What's what's the application fee for that? Um. Oh, you can get it easily waived. Don't worry about that for UTD. Because yeah. UT is seventy five dollars. I'm like, I'm so mad. That should not be seventy five. That is more than some Ivy League schools. Well, most schools are seventy five. Like that's that's a yeah. standard amount. But for UT, oh my, this is just like I don't want to crap on UT. Like UT is in a bad school. But if you're auto-admit, then it is the definition of a safety school. (laughs) Yeah. So, are you an auto-admit, Nate? No. Wait, really? You're not top six anymore? You have to be, like, top four. It's 7%. Oh. Yep. You didn't put her on blast like that? Yeah, Michael. What the? (laughs) You're not top six anymore? Well, I thought she was auto-admit before. (laughs) No. no, Not to UT. I think our top five is 7%. Yeah. If they round up, they could be like, they could round down. It's 4.9. We only get four people. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I would recommend just like sticking on an additional out of state safety school on there. Um, like what school would you suggest? Uh, So I, I don't know any out of state schools that are really good for the science and STEM track, just because I haven't looked into that too much. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, like there are schools like, Georgia Tech, I think, uh, which is kind of hard to get into. That might be actually a mid-range schools, depending on the rest of your profile. But, you know, there are like other public schools similar to UT that offer a lot of merit-based scholarships to people in your general applicant profile as someone who has good grades and solid extracurriculars, but are not for sure, for sure guaranteed to get into UT just because of the GPA. So I think it's fine to categorize UT as a safety schools for you two, but because neither of you are auto-admit, it mm-hmm. seems to me if you want to be safe, just to stick another really easy school on there. And they'll probably waive your application fee. You'll probably get an email in the mail 
or in the mail that's like, oh, you should apply. We're, we, we won't make you pay. You're like select candidate application? Yeah, like some oh, yeah. nonsense name like that. Okay, what do you think of Hofstra? Because I know I've been getting a bunch of stuff from Hofstra. Uh, yeah. I know they're like in Long Island. Um, so if you want to be close to the city but not in the city, uh, then that's a, a solid choice. Uh, I'm not too sure about their academics there. Uh, um, I would I would probably classify them as a solid like mid tier school, probably. Yeah. All right. So neat. Um, one one recommendation for uh, schools that will waive it. If you just go to your email and you type in waive. <laughs> a ton of school emails will pop up and be like, fly by this date and we'll waive your application. Mm-hmm. And that is an easy way. Yeah. No, like Hofstra is like, okay, apply, select candidate, we'll answer you in like, what, 72 hours or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could basically apply to them right now. Mine is the same colleges over and over. It's like Wolford, Dallas, Mary Hardin Baylor, Fordham, oh, yeah. Creighton. And then they just repeat. Oh, yeah. They're like, we really like you. So we're going to waive your application. Might as well um, waive uh, your essay. We don't even need a a recommendation anymore. We're going to give you money, scholarship consideration. You know, just apply. (laughs) We'll we'll just waive everything because we love you so much. I was like, okay. I don't understand the college's strategy there because obviously like their intention is so easy. But yeah, like for me, it's like, wow, you really, really want me. I don't really want you anymore. Yeah. Well, I think they write those emails because that, like, you know how they can see your SAT and no, ACT scores. It's and that's based how those, on that. Yeah. Yeah. So if they can see that your scores are good, honestly, the only way for a certain type of school to get, you know, for example, you and to pull you away from like a, you know, Ivy League or mid-tier school is to offer all of that. Mm-hmm. And schools that are trying to increase their, uh, you know, prestige. Yeah. I would say. I mean, the example is OU. Obviously, OU is not like a terrible school at all, um, but they are known for just giving a lot of money and really trying to recruit National Merit Scholars. Um, and they'll, you know, they'll pay for pretty much everything and give you a ton of money. And it's a great thing if you're a National Merit Scholar, but I mean, that's just an example of schools trying to, you know, increase their academic prowess. Especially if you are a middle class or high income person who would not receive financial aid at an Ivy League school, yep. uh, then you might need to look into merit-based scholarships depending on your financial situation or the you know arrangement you made with your parents. So, you know, I would not want to have gone to OU but or UT or some of the schools that we've listed earlier, but you know, sometimes it's just like what you have to do because that's how the money is going to work. Yeah, I know we're I know we're talking a lot about uh, financial aid here, so we will definitely make a financial aid episode uh, very soon to kind of talk about all that stuff. You know, we have the FAFSA coming up October first, and you should consider financial aid when applying to schools if you know you're not going to have enough money to go there. I would almost say, you know, if you have to pay the application fee, don't. But it all depends on how much you have to spend on those applications. Or if it's getting waived because, um, you know, we talk about schools giving you waivers, but there are also different waivers within the Common App where if you apply, if you meet certain requirements, you can actually get your application fees waived. I would say, though, like if you want to go to the school, you should just apply because you can figure yes. out and negotiate financial aid. The first financial aid offer you get should not be the one you're taking home. You should increase it somehow. You should find a way to negotiate with those financial aid officer officers yep. to throw in other financial aid offers and be like, hey, this other school is giving me this. I know you can too. So give me the same amount of money. You know, so like there are so many ways to negotiate that financial aid offer that 
I think it's just too early right now to be like, there's no way I can afford it and completely give up. Because at the very worst, you know you were able to get into that school, even if the money didn't work out. Yep. And we'll expand on everything we're talking about now in that episode. I'm actually excited for that one. It'll be a good episode. Yeah. So, Michael, the only thing about my college list, I'm probably having the same problem as Dominic, is like those mid-tier schools. Oh, yeah. But also the thing I'm thinking about is, so if I'm going to go out of state and spend that kind of money, then mm-hmm. I'll try to go, I want to go to a pretty competitive, selective, prestigious school because I feel like that's going to make it worth my money. If not, as we've been saying, like UT is not like the best school ever, but it's a pretty good school. So I really would, I would still be fine going to UT. So that's that's why I kind of feel like I don't have too many mid-tier schools because I feel like if I slap on a few mid-tier schools, for one thing, they're not going to give me a bunch of money because they just don't have the kind of endowment that the more selective bigger schools have. So I'll probably end up paying more than I would pay going to UT and then I'll just end up going to UT and would be kind of a waste of my time to apply. But I don't She's know She's reading that- my mind right now. That's great. I mean, I think I think you guys are like solidly correct that maybe you just don't need that many mid-tier schools anymore. Because if the concern is that mid-tier schools won't have enough money, then the really only mid-tier schools or target schools that would solve your concerns are those target schools that offer merit-based scholarships, which yeah. you guys already have on your list. So me, like UNC Chapel Hill has the Morehouse Scholarship. USC has their president or trustee scholarship. So I think I think it's a solid list. And, you know, as we said earlier, it's dependent on the person. So if one of our listeners is in your situation, I'd advise them too that it's fine if your list primarily consists of safety schools that you would actually be really fine going with and a lot of really, really selective schools that you would love to go to, but obviously are very unsure if you'd be able to get into. Okay, Dominic, what about yours? Time for yours. All right, here we go. Um, I will start this off with a few things. Um I have the same issue with, you know, mid-tier schools that need does. Um, I think, I don't know, I have a hard time justifying putting a, uh, you know, another comparable state school to UT that I know I'm not going to get as much money from. So I will definitely have to look into different uh, scholarships that Michael was talking about that will pay for that to bring it down kind of like to UT level. Um, so UT is on my list um, and also the UT Honors Business Program. Um, I kind of what I want to pursue as of now, um, economics as a major, and then um, some business, you know, minors or whatever, and then possibly something into politics, but probably taking the economics route into politics. Um, You know, my dad advised me not to get a law degree, so I'm not going to get a law degree. But um, other schools on my list, this is definitely a preliminary list that I do need more middle schools, but um, schools like Duke, Rice, Georgetown, um, Rice is kind of like the, the parental recommendation for me. Um, it's definitely a good school, but most of my schools are concentrated in the Northeast, but I think Rice would be a good addition to the list to kind of have that, you know, just a different region to kind of consider later on. Um, Duke, I've always been a Duke fan, um, cause I'm a big lacrosse guy. So you fit in at Duke. I've always, you fit in at Duke. I've always liked Duke, but I mean, they definitely have, like Michael was talking about that foreign policy um, program. Michael and I are very similar in like what we're doing. I think yeah. you're majoring in economics, right, Michael? Yeah. In fact, economics policy, poli sci. So basically the exact yeah. same as what you just said. There's a lot of, there's a lot of crossover with what Michael and I are doing. And you'll see that my list kind of 
very mimics his. So you got Duke, Rice, Georgetown, uh, U Chicago, um, Columbia, U Penn, Yale. All the Ivies. Why are you trying to list them out, Dominic? No, no. Those Ivies. No, no. There's only five Ivies on that list right now. Okay. Um, I had all eight. And then in that discussion I had with my dad about the schools, for some of them, he asked me why I wanted to go there and I couldn't justify it. So what'd you take off? Um, the schools that are not on the list from the Ivy Leagues right now is uh, Brown, Cornell, and Dartmouth. For the reason that I couldn't, like I kind of put them on the list just because, you know, oh, it's an Ivy League school. It's a great school. You know, if I get in, I'll be happy. But as far as pursuing economics and business and stuff, outside of that, I just didn't think that um, it's where I would best excel through that program. And I don't know, Michael, we could talk a bit later about why you had those on your list. But I don't know. I had them off for that reason. Um, Columbia, Yale, UPenn, the, all, all of those are fantastic economics programs and kind of dip into that foreign policy and definitely Michael at Columbia. That's going to be some good foreign policy stuff. But uh, with economics as the focus, I think that those schools are going to be good for me. And then at the very top, you have your um, your Stanford, um, MIT, Harvard, and Princeton. Um, just because, you know, to have the best – if I want to do economics, you might as well throw the best economic schools on the list. But that's, that's why – those are schools are on the list. Um, I know that it's very reach school focused and like top of reach school focused, but it's targeted to where um, each school is on there because of the programs that I want to pursue. And that's kind of how I built the list. Uh, I'm definitely going to look into the other schools um, like Northwestern, Johns Hopkins, uh, USC and stuff. But as far as you now, I'm, I'm concerned about financial aid, about where I'll be able to go. So I'm trying to pick schools where if I, so the schools on my list, like if I get into those, I will definitely be able to do it through um, the financial aid packages and then also, you know, in-state tuition and all that. And then different scholarships that I'll be applying for. So that is my list. Michael, any comments? Yeah. So I think it's fine for you to like not have that many middle schools and just have a lot of reach schools and a few safeties. I think it's totally fine. Um, the reason why I put Cornell on the list is because they had a program called Industrial Labor Relations that was a really good setup for things like law schools and public policy. Uh, Brown mm-hmm. has a really good public policy program. It's really focused on actually engaging with the community and actually doing public policy work within the Providence mm-hmm. and larger Rhode, Rhode Island community. Um, but if your focus is on business and economics, then it makes sense that you don't really care about ILR or yeah. public policy. I will say that Cornell has a hotel management program that yeah. apparently is a good setup for Wall Street. I don't really understand the connection because part <laughs> of hotel management is that you actually manage a hotel as part of the graduation requirements. So I don't know how that connects to like Wall Street investment banking. Well, if you're trying uh, to do Wall Street, just do that UPIN. Yeah, just like Wharton. Uh, but if you don't get into Wharton, then... Yeah. Investment banking is definitely a uh, – it's on my list. Yeah. Then I then if you – when you apply to UPenn, then definitely go with Wharton, 100%. Yeah. I mean, yes. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, I definitely do need more mid-schools, but again, financial aid and being able to pay for it. And also just, you know, if I'm going to do a state school, UT is not a bad option. Definitely if I get into the honors program there, um, that's a pretty good setup. I like Dallas. It'd be cool to go to school in the Northeast – what about SMU? Okay. So the thing about SMU, right? Both of my parents went to SMU. And although they went there a long time ago, um, they don't recommend I go there. I, I could apply if I want to stay in Dallas. But as far as the school I would like to go to, um, it's just 
It's not Ivy League competitive. I would have recommended either. Um, I mean, definitely not for me because it's super fratty and sports. Oh, I can do fratty. Yeah. So, like, if you're into that, like, maybe. I can also do sports. I mean, I I can do anything. Like, I, I will I will fit in anywhere, but I don't know. I can I can make my own environment anywhere. It's fine. The other thing is that SMU's application deadline is the 15th of January. So, after you're done with Penn's application Ooh. on the 5th, if you still have energy... You know, just like throw one in. Wait, when is SMU? The 15th. Of September? Uh, no, no January. Just, uh, oh, January. okay. I was like, what? I, yeah, because I thought I heard something. So I run a winter camp from the 26th through the 31st. So a lot of my applications that are due like January 1st and 2nd have to be done before then. So I can't make my um, winter break a living hell like Michael did. <laughs> so just the first part of winter break will have to be twice as bad. If I procrastinate, which I won't, um, because I can already see it happening. I do. I do. It's going to be fantastic. Um, if you listeners are having Dominic, problems you need to with write your essays, essay. I your feel essay. you. I think I've jumped. I, I can count it out later, but I think I've okay. had like 15 different ideas for my uh, essay. I'll count it out later and we can make a post about it. But I've, I've definitely had problems a. with the essay. The one thing I'll say about that, I want to keep it a bit short because we can do another episode on it. But the main premise is I've been trying to build the box for the essay to fit into. Like I start out by making the box and then try to fit the essay into it. But what I figured out I need to do is make the stuff that goes in the box and then build the box uh, because I just, I'm limiting myself too much um, in what I'm trying to write and say about myself. Um, so I think what I'm working on now is going to be a lot better than what I was trying to do. So I'm excited for that essay. Cool. All right. Well, that was it for this episode about how to build your college list. Thanks so much for listening. Please go to iTunes.com slash admissions and covered and rate and review us. Uh, the more you rate and review us, the more people can find our podcast. So thanks so much for listening. And thank you to all new listeners who came through iTunes reviews. Thanks for listening. And you follow the outline.